think there's a lot of things that if we just simplified it and we truly made it childlike, we would understand more and we'd be able to go further into the kingdom of God because it's the beauty of the heart and not the mind. So it's that place of just opening up and letting him in and just talking to him. A dream can be anything. Whether yours is to start a business, be in a healthy relationship, pursue your dream career, or to get right spiritually, every week the Dream Check podcast brings you tips, tricks, and real-life insight from people who are living their dreams to the fullest. I'm Nicole Ivanoff, an established international wedding photographer and wife. Like you, I have so many dreams, some of which I've lived out and others I'm still pursuing daily. I'm a girl from suburban Detroit who's made her way out to LA, and although I'm no guru, I have a heart to show you that if I or anyone who comes on this podcast can do it, so can you. Welcome to the show. Time to check in. What's up, friends, and welcome back for another episode on the Dream Check Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Ivanoff. If you are new to the show, I know I always say this, but welcome. I am so happy that you're here. If you're a regular listener, thank you so much for always tuning in. It really does mean the world to me. Uh, Today's episode is going to be so amazing. I'm interviewing Nava Esther. Nava is a wife, a mom, an entrepreneur, a writer, and just a woman after God's whole heart. I am personally so inspired by her, which is why I reached out and asked her to come on the podcast. Her Instagram is just such a place of encouragement and inspiration for women. And in this episode, she really dives deep into the power of prayer. And when I say I was so encouraged as a wife in this episode, I mean, if you're a wife or a mom, you definitely need to listen to the full episode, but she gives tips on how to be your husband's biggest prayer warrior on how to be strategic in your prayers, how to keep the enemy out and God's word in. She talks on the beauty of marriage, lazy Christianity, and literally so much more. I don't want to give too much away. You just have to listen. So let's check in to be encouraged and welcome Nava to the show. Hi, how are you? Hi, how's it going? Thank you so much for making this happen. Thank you for having me. Seriously, like, I'm excited. Yes, girl, I got you. Oh my gosh. Like, after stalking your Instagram last night, I'm like reading through all your captions. I'm like, this girl's got a lot to say. And like, I feel like there are so many captions I was reading where I was like, wait, I need more. Like, I need an episode on this. I need like an hour long, like chat on this. And so I was so encouraged and inspired by just like your writings. And so I feel like you would do so good on a podcast. And so I'm honored to have like your words in real life today. Okay. You're going to make me cry. I don't know how to respond to that. (laughs) Yeah. It's personal, but like in a way that is so relatable and also like engaging and it's vulnerable. And I feel like that's so rare on Instagram these days. And so I love that you have an account that like young girls or women can go to for like vulnerability and relatability and inspiration. And so it's so rare. And so I just wanted to like honor you for that. Okay, you guys, her name is Nava, and we were just talking about this, and we were laughing because tell them what it means. Okay, so Nava is a biblical name, so it's an adjective used in Songs of Solomon, and it's used like um, in the sense of beauty, so it describes the beauty of Jerusalem and other scenarios. So Nava means beautiful, pleasant, but what's funny when I was telling her is that in Israel, my name is like such an old lady's name. So it's basically like 
I hate to slam anyone that has this name, but like a Gertrude or like you said Betty. <laughs> like it's an old, it's yeah. like a kindergarten name. So I always like when guys would hit on me <laughs> bars, I'll never forget. They'll always be like, what's your name? I'd be like, Nava. And they'd be like, no, you're messing. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. In Israel, but not here. Yeah. So when I, when I go to the States, everyone's always like, wow, Nava, that's such a cool name. So yeah. I get my glory when I'm in America and I get slammed <laughs> when I'm in Israel. Oh my gosh. That is so funny. And you're in Israel right now, right? Yeah. We live here. Okay. Yeah. It's 8 p.m. her time, 10 a.m. my time. I have her up late. She's pregnant. I'm like, what a star for coming on and doing this podcast. No, I'm so excited. This is going to be so good. Your questions are amazing. Thank you. Okay. So let's like dive in. I'm so excited. We have so many like really epic topics that um, I want to like touch on, but give us a little background. Like who is Nava? That's such a good question. I guess we're always trying to figure that out, right? But Mm -hmm. I am a mom. I have a son, Zavin. He's two and a half years old. I'm married to a man named Emmanuel. And um, he's American. So I am half American. My dad's American Jewish. My mom's Armenian. Um, And so I'm a little bit of a mixture. And um, they moved to Israel right before I was born. So I was born in Israel, grew up in Israel. But my English is really good because... My parents spoke English at home. So it's confusing sometimes to people because they'll be like, why is your English so good? And I'm like, "Um, I spoke English my whole life, even though I lived in Israel. (laughs) So um, there's so much I could say about who I am, but that's a basic background of where I'm from. So did you grow up like in the church? Yes. So my parents are believers. um, So I grew up in that world. Church here is a little bit different. I wouldn't say we have like, it's not really denominations, if that makes sense. It's more, it's called Messianic Jews, but technically I'm not Jewish because my dad's Jewish, my mom's not Jewish. And by Judaism, it goes mom. So technically I'm not Jewish. So I'm not, I guess you could say I'm not Messianic Jew, but I am because I'm, I consider myself a Jew that believes in Jesus. So I'm Israeli. It gets complicated, really, but yeah. I was going to say, that is complicated. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's really cool. Because think about it, in the Bible, it goes through the dad. Like, it, it always speaks son of Jacob, son of, it always talks about the son of. So it's interesting that um, in Judaism, like, it's through the mother. So if your mom's not Jewish, technically, you're not considered Jewish. That is wild. I had no idea. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so I'm so excited to ask you this question, but what is a dream that you have right now? And it can be literally anything. Okay, so super like has nothing to do with what we're about to dive into. But if you ask like a, not a shallow dream, but like a me dream that just has to do with me, I've always wanted to have um, a bathing suit line. So I have it all sketched out. Like they're, so beautiful and classy. I just never found the right seamstress there. It just is on pause. So that's a huge, and I want to have my own, um, dress line. So bathing suits and dresses. I am obsessed. Yes. It's so pretty. I sent you pictures. Yeah. Wait, when is this going to drop? Like I need more information. (laughs) Okay. So I've always loved like the sixties. I've loved how 
even in movies, like you have women like Grace Kelly that are wear these bathing suits with so classy, like it's so um, a woman, so beautiful on the beach. And it doesn't have to do just about her body shape or type or how much skin she's showing, but pure class. So I always wanted to like, I always wanted to bring that back. And so anyways, we, it's a long story, but we were living in um, Texas. And when we were there, I had found like a company that were doing everything, but then, and I waited like two months to talk to the people. And then they said, we don't do bathing suits. So I was like, what? I wish you would have told me this. Like, so it was kind of like the Lord was saying, not now. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's still there. I still want to do it, especially like the dresses. Like, I feel like I see them in my mind all the time, but I'm just waiting for like the right time to do it, to bring it back up. I love that. That's so awesome. Yeah. Like the premise of this podcast is a dream can be anything. And God just doesn't give us like huge, big, like Christianese dreams, if you will. Like he gives us like dreams like that. Like I have a dream to have my own denim line one day, like my own basic tea line. Like I truly feel like that's something God has placed on my heart. And like in the same way, like God has placed this on your heart. And that's so cool. I'm so pumped for you. I love like women being able to just, I love celebrating women. So if it's celebrating motherhood, if it's celebrating being a wife, if it's celebrating your singleness, if it's celebrating your body shape, your body type, if if it's whatever it is, I love, I love femininity. I love women. So I love to like show how God has made us unique. So dresses and, and anything girly. I so fun for me. Like, I remember recently someone wrote me a message on Instagram. They're like, I started wearing dresses because of you. I never used to wear dresses. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. Not because you have to wear dresses, but because she was basically saying that she's been diving and figuring out her femininity. Mm-hmm. And so I love celebrating women in all of its forms and clothing is a huge thing for me. I love it. So I'm just curious. I just had a girl on the podcast and we talked about modesty and she is like a swimwear model. Like she models for a lot of swim brands and very classy brands, nothing like over sexual or anything, but she gets a lot of like really negative mean things on Instagram. Like how can you be a Christian and model swimwear and stuff like that? And so I'm just curious, like your opinion on like you're dreaming to have like this swimwear brand. Do you think like there could ever be I don't know. Like, I'm just thinking like if someone listening, what would they think about like, oh, she's a Christian with a swimwear brand. It's actually such a good question because for years, that's what I did. I was a model. And you know, when you're a model, you have to first figure out where your boundaries are or else you kind of just get shoved into different corners that you don't want to be in. And then I remember I signed with an agency after I got married. And that was a conversation that come up, came up between my husband and I. I mean, because I had like I did a commercial with some guys. And I was pretending to be his girlfriend or so it was it was interesting always like figuring out with him what are those boundaries. But specifically about swimsuits, I remember even sending this sounds so cliche, but I remember sending in my uh my digitals to one of the one uh agency and it was, I sent with a full bathing suit. Cause I was like, I wonder if anyone, is this norm? Like, do people do this? Cause I wear bikinis. Like I wear them out and about. I just thought, I wonder if I sent this with a full bathing suit, I wonder what their response would be trying to get into different agencies, modeling agencies. And so, um, 
Personally, the bathing suit line that I want to do, I want it to be one pieces just because I feel like it, there's so many bikinis. So there's so much already to choose from. So I hadn't thought about that. And that sucks that people are messaging her because everyone's conviction is so different. I could wear something that my best friend would never wear. And I find that beautiful because that's the authenticity of our walk with the Lord. If we all were the exact same, we would be robots. And I don't think God, that was ever God's heart for us, especially for women. And so I think we're all on a journey. I have friends that wear stuff or post pictures with certain clothing that I wouldn't ever post. But the beauty is that she's not me. I don't have the same walk as her and I don't have... My convictions are different than hers. And she, I might watch movies that she would never watch. You know what I mean? So conviction lies differently with different people. And I think, I hate that people are messaging this girl because I'm sure she's just trying to do her best of listening to the Lord's voice and obeying his voice. And at the end of the day, our accountability is before the Lord. And obviously people are always going to have stuff to say. So I hope she has a lot of girls encouraging her as well. She does. And honestly, it, her whole message is like, modesty is a heart posture. And kind of like you said, like all of our convictions are different. And, you know, w how she models and dresses is with her, like you said, own convictions with God versus someone else may never do that. But also someone else may be acting out of shame or like, church hurt and like and that kind of stuff so i was just curious your kind of opinion on modesty with when it comes to swimwear and i i love what you said like we're all different if we were all the same we would be robots and so i think it's beautiful that we all get to embrace like the uniqueness how god made us like i'm very into fashion i feel like god truly made me that way you are very into swimwear and dresses and like all things feminine and god made you that way and like i love that we're all so uniquely wonderfully made and i think it makes it all so beautiful so we are gonna dive in this topic i like originally wasn't like it wasn't planned to talk about but as i was going through your instagram i was like dang she's a prayer warrior and like i know even for me personally like i could use advice in this area as well but something you said that i thought was really powerful is that prayer is not a religious act it's an act of love can you elaborate on that yeah i love talking about prayer this is it's just my favorite topic because i've seen so much come out of it like my whole life i feel like it's just a prayer lifeline with me and the Lord. It's just like a journal of just all these prayers. But I think when it becomes religious, like, you know, when you have to sit and you feel like you have, you have to pray, it's almost like you don't want to. But when prayer comes out of your heart and prayer comes out of a place of friendship and longing for more, it's more of an act of a friendship than it is a religious. I think this all the time, like God hates religion just as much as we do. So it's so crazy how we try to avoid it all costs, but I think the Lord is too, because he doesn't want that either. It's, it's that it's the beauty of relationship and friendship. So I love prayer because I think it is an act of endurance. It's like running. you got to create that muscle. It doesn't come easily. If in the mornings, for example, if you were like, okay, I'm going to sit and I'm going to pray for five minutes, not touch my phone, not touch my body, just pray. That's hard for a lot of people to do that because it's, again, it's a muscle that you have to really work on and you have to spend time and, and expand it and put your heart into it or else it's just a religious act that, you know, as a Christian, 
that's grown up my whole life, I can pray prayer. Like we could pray right now and it could be a total brainless prayer. Like I could pray without even thinking. Like <laughs> it, it just flows out. And I don't, later I could be like, what did I even say? Because praying can become so um, secondhand and almost brainless. And I think, um, yeah, the beauty of prayer is being intentional and just really talking to the Lord. And it shouldn't be some like, thing we make out to be it's so easy it's just conversation between us and the lord and ultimately our heart to connect deeper yeah that's so good and i I think that's where people miss it is a lot of people are saying how do i pray for this what's the best prayer for this and i i've only been a christian for like five years so or maybe even less and so for me i've only ever known relationship and it's like I'm just chatting with God like I would a friend or like I would with my husband. Like it doesn't have to be so like spiritual or like fancy words or like intense. Like I'll just be in the shower, just talking to God or in my car, like talking to God or even my complaints. Like I'll just bring my complaints to God. Like I just like talk to him as if he's like sitting in the passenger seat with me. And I feel like those are the most powerful prayers because that's relationship, you know? And think of if you started dating someone and you never spent one-on-one time with them talking, you wouldn't get to know them at all. And so I think of it in the same way, like as you would with a friend or as you would with a partner, that's how you communicate with God. And that, and anytime you're talking with God, to me, like that's a form of prayer. Yeah, for sure. You know, the song talking to Jesus. I love it because it's so relatable. It's you're just talking to him and it's just so personal. And we make it out to be this whole big thing when it's really not like, I I don't want to dive into this because I'm sure there's other stuff, but it's like taking communion. I think we've made it to be such a religious thing that we've lost. It's the beauty of just touching Jesus. He just said, come to me. And so I think there's a lot of things that if we just simplified it and we truly made it childlike, we would understand more and we'd be able to go further into the kingdom of God because it's the beauty of the heart and not the mind. So it's that place of just opening up and letting him in and just talking to him. That's so powerful. And I love like you took the words out of my mouth about being childlike. I think that's why God says like, unless you become like a child, you will never really know like the kingdom of God. And I think it's so true because like, like if you listen to a, a child pray, who says serve in our church in the um, nursery for like two-year-olds and under, they can hardly talk. So like when they like are praying, I'm like, it brings tears to my eyes because they're just so pure. And like, they say exactly what they want. There's no hesitation. They could be in the toy store and they're like, God, I pray for this, which is like to us is funny, but like, that's like the innocence and the pureness of it. And I think that's why like God says to us, like become like a child because they're so pure and innocent. There's no like other intent behind the prayer besides the simplicity of the prayer. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm learning that from my son. Like it's when you ask him to pray, it really is like two words. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's so sweet. It's just so genuine. I love it. It's so emotional. When I think of a kid praying, I'm like, oh my gosh, nothing brings me more joy. Okay. Speaking of children, I I read a post on your Instagram, how you talked about when you were a kid, you used to see your mom on her knees praying all the time. And you went on to say like, it was never a specific time every day. It was a lifestyle for her. Like she was just always doing it. 
I think that's so powerful, so rare, and so beautiful. And, um, you know, you kind of said this to say, like, are you your child's greatest prayer warrior? How does a mother, how does a father, how do you become, like, what was like the heart behind that question? Oh, so good. I could cry so easily when I talk about my mom, just because she, oh, she's so incredible. But yeah, the greatest thing she's taught me is how to pray. And I remember so many times I'd be, um, I'd just be running around the house looking for her and, um, I couldn't find her anywhere. And then her door shut and I'd open her door and she'd be like by her bed praying. And, uh, it's so powerful and so beautiful. And she, she has this, um, this brown pillow for her knees. So beautiful. And it's so worn out. It's so worn out because she spent so much time like on her knees, just praying. And, um, it's powerful for me because I learned that the solution, the, in the, in between, in the, in the Valley, in every situation, he's all, God is always the answer. So it's crazy. Cause like, if there would be bad news on the, if something would happen, let's say there was a terrorist attack and someone got hurt or like someone we've been praying for, or we heard bad news about someone or anything for the next day, she would be pretty quiet. She wouldn't talk a lot and you would find her the whole time in her road praying. And usually I always, and fasting, I always saw her fasting. It was never like a 30 day fast. It was usually like a day here, a day there, but there was a consistency of like not seasons. It was like her lifestyle. So, um, when I write that, that's one of the greatest things she's taught me as a woman and as a mother and as a wife that my first place to go to should always be in prayer. That should be in anger and frustration and enjoy. Like that first place is always powerful when you first go to the Lord. And she lived that out. Because again, I would be looking for everywhere, excited to tell her something. And I walk in the door and she's deep in prayer on her knees. And so I, I found her in that position all the time. So when I wrote that on my Instagram, I always think, you know, we as mothers and as wives, we should know the, their prophetic story so well because we've been spending so much time in prayer for them. The Lord always reveals secrets, but sometimes you only hear secrets when you lean in. And leaning in is spending time with Him. And so I love challenging on my Instagram and asking women, are you your husband's greatest prayer warrior? Do you know things about him that the Lord is telling you? Because you should be the greatest person in his life that's praying for him because you are you are chosen to be his wife and you chose to be his wife. And then I say the same thing for children. No one will be able to pray for your kids the way you pray for your kids. Not even my mom is a grandparent. Not No, no one can pray for your children like you can because you have a heartbeat. They're a piece of you. Like I started praying for my kids when I was single. I remember one night I woke up at like 3 a.m. I had the worst cramps and the Lord was just like, pray for your children. And I was like, wow, I'm not married. I'm not anything. And I've just felt that peace of like, no, you already get, have an opportunity. That's a power of prayer to start going at it. And so I did. I, I've been praying for my kids since I was single in my early twenties. And so it's powerful and beautiful because there is a storyline that was already created that God shared with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dang. That's so powerful. And it even like checked me. Like I read that and I was like, dang, like I pray for my husband. But when you said like, you should be knowing like the prophetic parts, like 
there should be like a prophetic aspect about him that you know because of your prayer life for him and because of what God is revealing to you. And kind of like you just said, like we chose our husbands and just like God chose them for us and just like God trusted us with our children. And so we are now entrusted with being their biggest prayer warrior. And I was so impacted by that in your Instagram. I was like, I was talking to God about it in the shower this morning. I almost was like, I'm sorry. I, I feel like I haven't been his biggest prayer warrior, even though I pray for him in my mind. I'm like, I don't think I even pray enough to be considered like a warrior. And I know like it's such a powerful word because it is such a powerful position to be in to pray for your future children and for your husband when the lord tells you stuff about your husband that your husband doesn't even maybe know you're able to go you're able to speak that out over him and believe that over him and so when it happens it's this beautiful love like triangle whatever you want to call it, between you the lord and your husband of like wow the lord spoke this like mary i held it in my heart and you know there's things that just come from us. We could talk about this for a while, but learning to hear the Lord's voice and asking him, hey, give me, God, give me a scripture that goes along with this. Give me a confirmation that this is something you want for my husband, or if it's small or little, and then you pray that out, you're prophesying it and you're speaking it into existence over his life is so powerful. Like I've seen it over and over again, like before my husband had job interviews and meetings and all this stuff, I kept diving into prayer specifically for the right job for him, but the, also for my husband to find himself in what he's meant to do. And I've seen like literally it unfold before my eyes. He is becoming the most incredible business person. So many doors have opened to him in Israel in the high-tech world. So much is just being unraveled in front of him. And he's has so much favor before men and God. And I know, like, I, I say this very confidently, but very humbly, I know that my prayer has a piece of it. Like, I know that my prayer is a part of his story unfolding before him because I stood in the gap for him. You know what I mean? I say sometimes on my Instagram, but even my husband, he started to pursue uh, Iron Man. And so, and if you don't know what Iron Man is, it's, I'm sure everyone does, but it's, it's awful. Like it's so hard. <laughs> okay. It's like a, a full, you have half Iron Man and full Iron Man. So a half Iron Man is uh, what my husband did, which is one mile swim. And then it's like 50 something miles on the bike. And then it's half a full marathon. So it's full on to say the least. And he started training for it. And he, um, I so wanted to be part of his story. The Lord would wake me up in the middle of the night just to pray for him, to pray for his body, pray for his legs. And um, kid you not, I, sometimes I would just touch his leg in the middle of the night, the Lord, and I would just pray for his legs to just, because I want the fullness for him. If it's an Ironman, if it's in business, if it's in fatherhood, if it's whatever he decides to pursue, I want the best for him. And I will always pray the best over him. So protection over his life, protection when he goes out on the road, when he's biking, you know what I mean? Like it's making it personal to what you want. And my husband is very much an introvert. So a lot of times I don't know what's really going on, if that makes sense. I just have to see it before my eyes. And it's so powerful because a lot of times there's no words needed for what God is doing in your husband. You just get to watch. And so me getting to watch him racing on the day of his Ironman, when he did the first half Ironman, it was so cool because I was seeing in front of my eyes prayer that had been cultivated for months ahead of time. 
And that there's nothing more powerful than that because my husband knew I was praying for him that whole time. And that whole race, I was like, I don't know. It's just like this beautiful story between me, the Lord, and my husband. And it keeps getting better. Like, you don't just pray for your husband before you meet him. You know what I mean? We're so passionate before we meet our husbands to get so deep into our prayer life, but it has to keep going into our marriage to keep seeing the fullness for him. And we have a part to play as wives and it shouldn't be a side. That's why I'm always bringing it up on my Instagram because I wish women knew that it's not a side issue. Like this is really important for you to be able to stand and I didn't even touch about the part of keeping the enemy away. Like that's a huge part as well of like marking your territory as the wife and saying, telling that you cannot come near my husband and women that even I encourage women that, um, a lot, I get a lot of messages from girls saying their husband watches porn. How can they pray into that? When your husband's gone, go put your hand on the computer or, or the bed or whatever and, and pray, pray for chains to be broken. Like there's no exact way to do it. You don't have to do it like that, but that's you taking a stand and saying, you can't have my husband and I will war over this till there's breakthrough because I'm not letting go. You know, that's a warrior. Wow. That was all so good. And it reminds me, have you seen the war room? I'm sure you have. Yes. Oh, yes. Love it. For anyone listening who hasn't seen The War Room, it's like a really, I think it's a really old like Christian movie and it's all basically about prayer. And it's about this marriage that's kind of failing and they're struggling. And the woman, the the wife, she just begins to pray over her husband and his, his heart begins to transform and change. And she keeps praying for like people to come into his life and doors to close and doors to open. And like all this starts work, like the prayers start working and she's watching her prayer life unfold and like basically a, a miracle in their marriage. And the premise of it is just like the power of prayer and how it like changed their marriage for the better. And everything you're saying just kind of reminded me of that. And, and you mentioned something about like, you get to be in the gap. And our pastor talked about this at church on Sunday, the the gap between your ability or your, your ability and your responsibility is a gift from God. The gap is a gift because the gap between your husband's ability, your ability, and like the responsibility God has, has given him or yet to give him is the area where you pray, where you fight for the calling and, and you, you get to go to war in prayer with like, you know, where your husband's called to. And I just love that you're like, I get to be in that gap because the gap is a gift. Like we don't know what's next, but like you get to be a part of the story of like, doors that are being opened. And I just love how like, it could be so like, he's doing an Iron Man. like, that's cool. Like maybe it's not a big deal to like pray for his legs for that, but like to him and to you, that's important. And like, there's nothing too small to pray over. And so I'm, I mean, I'm like, so encouraged. I'm like, dang, there are some things I could be like praying more for my husband that I just like, I'm like, oh, that's not a big deal. He doesn't need prayer for that. But like, let's not forget, like we need prayer for everything. Yeah especially things they're passionate about. Like sometimes we can show our support by just sitting there. And, you know, I got to know all the names of all these Iron Man guys. Like I could care less before, but because that's what love is like. And I know we can talk about this as we go, but to me, like love is a verb. Like love isn't just a word. It's not a feeling. It's my actual lifestyle of showing my husband how much I care for him. And it's those little moments where you have opportunities. Like, so I got to know this whole world that 
really, I didn't know anything about beforehand or cared to know about. And now like I enjoy sitting and watching a three hour Ironman with him. I love it. So powerful. So you touched on your Instagram about lazy Christianity, and I'm so curious. What can you elaborate on that? Yes. So, okay. I, I like to think about Matthew 25. So you have these women who were ready with their oil. And I could tell a story for anyone that I'm sure everyone knows, but for anyone who doesn't. So Matthew 25, there's a story about these 10 virgins and um, some of them are ready and some of them weren't. By ready, some of them had their uh, lamps ready with their oil because they were waiting for the bridegroom to come. So it says that the bridegroom uh, was delayed and he hadn't come yet and they all fell asleep. But there was an alarm and they woke everyone up and some of the women were ready with their oil to go and their lantern or their lamp was ready and some weren't. So some had to go and get oil and when they went to get oil, it was already too late. So what I mean by lazy Christianity is that so many times we get so comfortable in the in them now and in the whatever else is going on and the oil becomes less significant and less significant and less significant. And that, that sleepy mentality is so common for, and I don't judge other people for it because we all go through seasons where that's more common for us. But, um, I love to wake women up. That's my whole, I don't, I don't know what to call it. Mission mission yes is called kumi and kumi in hebrew means like if you remember the verse where he said kumi talita to the little girl it means it's a hebrew word for wake up but in hebrew we have masculine and feminine and so it's the feminine verb for wake up so specifically targeted towards women and so my heart is to wake women up in this hour to not give in to that lazy mentality of just everything's fine. I'm life is just happening and I'm just going along with it and I'm not really pursuing the Lord. So I call it lazy Christianity because I think those virgins were lazy. Um, when everyone else was cultivating their oil and making sure, because what is oil? Oil is created out of hardship. Oil is created out of pressure and out of intensity and out of the valleys and out of that moment. That's where the oil comes out of. To me, that this is what speaks to me so strongly in that chapter. And when I think of these women that just pursued wholeheartedly, making sure that their oil was ready, even though they had no idea when the time or the day was that he would return. That's so something that we as women can um, grab hold of. And I think a lot of times we feel convicted because we know that we haven't been cultivating that oil. And it's, you know what? I think oil drips in moments when we walk away from a movie that, you know, in our conscience, there's something going on where the Holy Spirit's like, this isn't for you. This isn't what I have for you. Can you get up and walk away? Or moments where you're with your boyfriend and you're messing around and there's that hardship of like, I know I need to get up. I know I need to say no, but it's so hard for me, but I'm going to say no. I think it's in moments like that where the pressure, where we, we're not so sure what's going on or 
even taking it further of when we don't do maybe the right thing, but that we come back to the Lord and we're like, hey, I want more. I want that next time when I come to you, I want to be able to have that muscle to say no with whatever it is that's relatable in your life or stepping away from an opportunity that the Lord is like, no, I have something better for you. Can you, do you have the strength to walk away from this? And so I think it's in that hardship that oil is created through the pressure. And that is something that's constantly being cultivated inside of us. And that's what I believe also keeps our fire burning. It's that it's not just the relationship, but it's also not getting lazy. And we have a part to play. Like it's so easy to think about our walk with the Lord of being like, he takes care of everything. He knows what's going to happen. Like he's going to do what he's going to do. And I'm going to walk through it. Yes. But also there's a place where you have to like partake with that with that in that relationship and the Lord invites you to that place to be like, Hey, are you going to listen to what I'm saying? Are you going to walk away from this? Are you going to celebrate this? Are you, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, that's so, 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 so good. And like you said, I feel like sometimes it's easy to fall in that slump of laziness. Like we all have, if you will, like lazier seasons of life in general. But like when it comes to like our relationship, like with God, I've been there before where I'm like, we're good. Like I got my dream husband. Like I, I'm not praying as much as I was when I was like looking for a husband and like you fall into this like slump and it's not like a forever slump, but sometimes it's just a season. And so what would you say to someone who feels like they're in like a lazy slump? Like, how do you pull yourself out of that? It's such a good question because again, like you said, we're not sitting here talking and saying, oh, those people, because we are those people. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure it's so easy to think, oh, she doesn't because she's living. No, everyone does. I think everyone has moments where it's more of a fight to sit and spend time with the Lord. And honestly, what's really helped me in my walk with the Lord was giving up my quiet time for a lifestyle. So I used to always be so into, okay, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to spend time with the Lord. And I spent that hour with the Lord and I would walk in and out of his presence like I would out of the shower. Like it was great and it was enjoyable, but I would walk out and something wasn't staying soaked in, in him. And so to anyone, I think feeling that oh, I don't want to spend that. So don't spend time with it in the morning. Try something else. Try doing something you love because most likely the thing that you love, he put inside of you and he enjoys that with you. So what I mean by that is like, do you like just leaning back in your bed and listening to really good music? It doesn't even have, I encounter the Lord and I write some of my best notes when I'm sometimes listening to an artist that's not even a believer. You know what I mean? Like, I want to find him in the authenticity of who he has created me to be. So if you're feeling that like, um, or like, where is he? Try to look for him outside of your religious box of where he would be because he is all around in everything you're doing. And so you have an opportunity to invite him into any area that you are willing to invite him in. And if that's sitting and watching a movie, like ask the Lord, Hey, talk to me while I'm watching this movie. Like, I love making my walk with the Lord so out of the box and so me because that's the only way I know how to fully grab hold of him. 
Does that make sense? Like he made me the way I am for a reason. Why am I trying to do a quiet time like someone else would? I like to do my quiet times look so different than I think anyone would imagine because that's the way I relate with the Lord. Mm-hmm. That is so good. And I love, I have so much to share on this, but you said, give up your quiet time for a lifestyle. And that is so powerful because like transparently, I really struggled our first year of marriage because my husband's quiet time is impeccable. Like he is a routine guy. So like he gets up every morning, goes to the gym, comes home, showers, goes in his office, does an hour of worship journaling. Like I'll peek in and he's like fully on his knees praying in his quiet time. And he, it doesn't matter where we are. We could be on vacation. His routine does not change. Like he does not skip his quiet time. And I was getting a little insecure because my quiet time doesn't look like that. And I'm like, wait, am I doing something wrong? Like he's like diving in an hour every day. And I love what you said. Like it looks different for everyone and God speaks to everyone differently. And when I got to a place where I realized like God speaks to me in different ways and I connect with God in different ways and you don't have to be in your room for an hour long on your hands and knees to like connect with God or like for it to be considered quiet time. And like, for me, it's the shower and it's my car. Like, and it's so funny. You said, put on even like non-Christian music. Like I've got the best God downloads and and inspiration for like blog posts and, and uh, reels and like, you know, these like inspirational posts, like from like an R&B love song, like I'll listen to a lyric and be like, oh my gosh, like that is such a good idea for like to write like a blog post on this or like God will give me like all these downloads in ways that like are unique to me. And I love, I love, love, love what you just shared. That was so powerful. It's so finding him in moments that are like, I'm such a, like a touchy person. And so I remember my whole life, like even as a little girl, I used to cry in my room because I really, in moments where I wanted the Lord to hug me, I he always wanted that touch with him. Like I wanted heaven and earth to kiss. Like I wanted that physical touch. And I remember being like five, six years old, crying in my room because I just wanted him to hug me. And so that's kind of like my whole life has been like that. And I remember when I just started really walking after the Lord, I had this really sweet moment where I would always leave my hand open for him to hold it. And it just became my thing. Cause like no one, no one sees that. Like you're just sitting, but your hand, instead of like, I don't know, maybe sitting in one way, your hand is just open and your weight, like you're believing in your spirit that he's holding your hand. And so I remember this whole season where I, I so wanted him to become so much more than just a good idea that I'd leave my hand open all the time because I was like, I want you to be part of every moment. Like I want you to not just be part of my quiet time. I want you to be part of when I hang out with my friends. I want you to be part of all these moments where no one gets to see what's going on in my heart, but you. And I remember like, it was the sweetest thing. I was talking to someone and I wasn't even thinking about Jesus. Like we were just talking and I felt him like this woman's talking to me and I feel him like come close. Like I sense his presence. He's coming closer and closer and he just puts his head 
on my shoulder. And again, I can't see, I, I don't see Jesus like I do you or this as we're talking, but I felt him like it was so near. It was so close. And I felt like he just giggled on my shoulder. I'm in mid conversation with someone, yet I'm like having this insane encounter with, the, with Jesus just right next to me. And I, I hold that all the time because so many times we think that those sweet cuddling moments happen alone in our room. But when you genuinely invite him into your life and into your lifestyle, he wants to, and he comes in. And in that moment, I was able to like have a good conversation with a friend, but I, in the middle of that, Jesus came and put his head on my shoulder. Like, and so it was just like, I love to make him. And another thing, I'll just add this a lot of times we're thinking, well, I can't feel the Lord. Like I, this is a drought season. This is like, this is such a season where I don't know where he is. Where has he been? Blah, blah, blah. And sometimes in those moments, like another powerful thing that I do with Jesus is that a lot of times I'll ask him, what's going on with you? You know, how are you? And um, I remember this one time was, I pray a lot in the middle of the night is the middle of the night. And I was just laying there and I felt like, I think, I don't remember what was going on, but there's something going on, I think in the States or in Israel. And there was just like a heaviness. And I remember I asked Jesus, I was like, how are you? Like, how are you doing? And I feel like he came into our room and my husband's sleeping, my son sleeps with us because we go sleep. And I felt like Jesus just came and put his head on my chest. And I felt like he just started crying. And my natural, this is all like spiritually, but like, I felt like I was just like rubbing his back. And in that moment, I was his friend. So all, there's so much, there's so much to say about, we always are wanting him, wanting him to do something for us. But part of friendship is what can I do for you? And sometimes, and it was crazy because I don't, I don't even know how biblical this is, but I felt like I was interceding over him. And because he is our intercessor, right? So he day and night is praying for us and interceding for us, standing in the gap for us. But in friendship, there's moments where you get to be his friend. And going back to the virgins and going back to that place of like, these virgins, the ones that weren't ready, ended up going and getting the oil and then coming to the door. And he said, I don't know you. And I'm like, I want him not just to know me. I want him to call me his friend. And you know, he's weeping because he it showed us in the Bible that he wept a few times, three times it showed us. And so as an intercessor, he's feeling things so deeply for us that how can we be a friend to him? It's so beautiful. And it reminds me of, again, the message at church on Sunday where the pastor talked about how like we are loved like there's nothing we can do to earn god's love but he said that to say like i want god to trust me yes like to trust me with what he tells me about myself about my husband about my friends about anything like i want to be in a position where god trusts me not just loves me but trusts me because god loves everyone right but when he trusts you like you're capable of so much more and like you said it's like a friendship like we don't have friends in our life we don't trust you know and so in the same way, like you trust God, like you want him to trust you and that becomes like a beautiful relationship. And so girl, I feel like I could listen to you talk literally all day long. I know, like I always say, like, I just let the Holy Spirit take the episode. Like I have all these topics and ideas that I just love when like the Holy Spirit like intersects and just kind of leads it down another path. So I know we're running short on time, but I did want to ask you something that I think is so powerful on marriage. 
And you've talked about this a couple of times in a few different posts, but you, you said you get a lot of questions like, what's the hardest part of marriage? And I love that you always say like, I don't spend time dwelling in that realm. Like, I don't even know how to answer that question. And I love that because the world tells us like marriage is so hard. You better do everything that you want to do while you're single. And motherhood is hard. You better spend time with your husband before you have babies. Like all these like negative things. And so can you elaborate on that and like why you don't spend time dwelling in the realm of like marriage is hard, motherhood is hard? Yeah, I feel like that question comes up all the time, even off Instagram. People always ask you, what's the hardest thing about marriage? And I mean it. I genuinely don't know the hardest thing about marriage. I can sit and tell you all the incredible things that I love about marriage because I love marriage. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know the hardest stuff because I'm such a strong believer in what you spend time dwelling on will become your reality. And so if I spend time always thinking about all the hardest things that it is about being married, that's where I live and I don't live in that space. So it's funny because I, even now, if you ask me, I, I just don't know. And it's not because life is all butterflies and rainbows. We've gone through our ups and downs, but I don't know. I celebrate the little moments of our love, our life together. And I enjoy him so much and I love him so much that I'm constantly thinking of, how can we grow together? How can we dream bigger? How can we, I mean, I'm sitting in Israel in our houses. You have a bomb shelter. So I'm actually sitting in the bomb shelter and it's his office and uh, he has a whiteboard like right next to me. And it's his prayer. Like it's his board where he puts everything he's believing the Lord is going to answer. And um, it's just so beautiful because I could sit and tell you about the whiteboard. I could sit and tell you about all these moments where we had incredible conversation or like, or moments where I've seen him just step so out of his comfort zone. And I can tell you all about these moments of prayer and all that, because that's where I focus. That's where I spend my time and my thoughts. So many times it's so, and even motherhood, so many times people ask, what's the hardest thing about motherhood? And I think if you can answer that question too quickly, I would just check your heart of like, am I sitting and dwelling on this? I know hardship exists and I know people have a lot harder marriages than, than my husband and I do. Um, but I love to talk about how our first year marriage wasn't hard. It wasn't the worst year of our lives. And a lot of marriages, that's the case. And that's what they talk about. And that comes up over and over in their conversation, even in our premarital. I love the people that did our premarital um, counseling. But one thing that came up over and over in our book was get ready. Marriage is really, really, really hard. And I would never use the adjective hard for my marriage ever. I wouldn't use challenging. I wouldn't use any of those words because that's just not the truth of my marriage. And I don't think it's because my husband and I are superhumans or that we're like special. I think it's just because we've decided to value something else over the hardship. Yeah, it's so good. And it reminds me, you know, Ivy Carnegie, and she's like just such a close friend of mine. And she always says, you know, if she ever finds herself in a place where like, her children are feeling like a burden or like marriage seems hard that she has to check herself because that means she's taken on too much that it's a burden to her because she's taken on too much because marriage is actually a gift children are actually a gift and so if it ever gets to a point where they don't feel like that then you need to check your heart because you're in a position to where you're now doing something where now this feels like a burden instead of a gift so like check yourself and that's kind of like a harsh 
like reality, but it is so true. Like marriage is such a gift. Children are such a gift. Like it says it in the Bible multiple times. And so if we find ourselves feeling the opposite of that, then we need to check ourselves. And so I love, I mean, even I've had so many reality checks just reading your Instagram posts last night, because sometimes it is easier to say, oh, like, yeah, the hardest part of marriage would be like this or this. But overall, like, I wouldn't say marriage is hard, you know? And so I I just love that you're like, I I just don't spend time dwelling in it. It's not worth my time. Why dwell in areas that are like, maybe have a hard time here or there when 99% of it is amazing and blessed by God, you know? (laughs) That's why I talk about love keeps no record of wrong. Yes. I think what that verse is really talking about is dwelling. Where are we dwelling? Where's our, our, our headspace? Where are we spending time? Because I think you and I could sit and think of all the things our husbands just has done this week. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And vice versa. But when that's not, the enemy will try to do everything to put you on different teams against each other. And there's offense and there's defense, but your greatest place in marriage is to stay on the same team and to fight, to be on the same team. And so sometimes when we've had arguments, my husband's looked at me and said, what are we talking about? Like we're on the same team. And it's like, he said that multiple times and it really was drilled into me. I'm like, it's so true. Like when we're on the same team, we're undefeatable. When we're on opposite teams, one of us is going to win and one of us is going to lose. And I think like winning in marriage is staying on the same side and the same team. And I think when you start keeping records of wrong, you're getting on one side and you're putting your husband on the other. And I'm not saying that sometimes those things are true. Like they are frustrating and they are, but that's the beauty of love. Like love is laying down your rights and laying down what you need or what yourself even for the other person. And I know people could take that verse too far where you're neglecting yourself. And I don't mean it like that, but I mean the beauty and the natural place of loving someone tenderly and like Jesus is putting that person before yourself and loving someone without a record of wrong is genuinely putting them above your thoughts and above your opinions or whatever. And that's saved me so many times because the Lord taught me that when we were dating, you take everything from your dating life into marriage, good things and bad things. And we forget that sometimes because we're like, oh, we walk down the altar and everything starts fresh. Well, no, you're actually also bringing stuff from your dating life. And there's a lot of good things that are going to come. If you listen to the Lord throughout your dating life, you can take those things into your marriage. And so that was one thing that the Lord spoke to me very early on in our relationship was that like, keep no record of wrong over him. And so many moments in our marriage, where I was like, I don't know. I've done the dishes this many times. Are you done this? Are you? And the Lord will. And if it slips out, the Lord will be like, Nava, like, I, I want to teach you this. Or I will be thinking it and the Lord will just be like, let it go. This is love. Do you want to love your husband? Well, yes. So don't keep this against him. Let it go and just keep believing that next time will be better. And so, yeah, that's a huge thing that I think it, has enabled me to look at marriage in a completely different lens than what I can look at it. I feel like if you had a microphone in your hand, you should drop it because that was a full on, I feel like you just described marriage in like two minutes, like in such a beautiful way that is just so 
like that to me is marriage. And that's something my husband says to me all the time too, if like we're arguing and it's easier for me, like based on like my upbringing and based on like my like upbringing of uh, how I like handle conflict versus his. To me, I'm like, my first reaction is we're on separate teams. Like, well, I did this or this or whatever it is. And he instantly has to be like, we're on the same team. We're not fighting each other here. Like we're in this together. Like the real enemy here is the enemy, not you, not me. And the only way we're going to win is if we realize that we're on the same team. And so you said that so beautifully and oh my gosh, like I just can't wait to like have this episode edited so that I can listen to it again and like really take in everything that you're saying. Cause it's everything you're saying is just gold. It's so, so, so good and impactful. You're so sweet. I honestly love this. I could keep going for a while. We need to do like a part two. We didn't even talk on mother. There were like the three topics we didn't even talk on that I really wanted to chat on. So part two is going to come. But before that, I was asked if you have book recommendations for married women, maybe recommendations for prayer life or for girls desiring marriage. Any, any books in those areas? Oh my gosh. I am the worst person with this because if I have a moment, I want to show and read the Bible. And so I'm probably the worst person to ask. I don't listen to any podcasts. I don't read any books, but I can recommend a book in the Bible. Can I do that? Yeah. I mean, the Bible can be the book. I mean, if that's your go-to, that's it. Because <laughs> I know that there are really incredible books out there, but okay. Songs of Solomon. If you can understand what's going on in Songs of Solomon, I believe that women can get so much breakthrough emotionally, spiritually, just religiously. There's so much that happens in Songs of Solomon. So if I could recommend anything, I almost don't even have permission to go to any other book. I read Songs of Solomon over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Like, and it hits me. And if you can read it in the Passion Translation, just let like each line, I can't even get through a chapter because every single verse just hit something different. And I just sit and let it soak. Again, this is a non-traditional, I don't have my, your normal quiet time, like probably a lot of people. I just sit sometimes on a one verse the whole time I'm spending time with the Lord. And I let that verse just like sit there. And sometimes I'll just read that same verse for a week. And so I would encourage women to read songs of solomon and just find your story find you in the middle of this woman and let the lord minister to you because it's such a powerful book i love it i mean i'm about to dive in when we get off this call (laughs) (laughs) it is so good it's like the best it's way better than any romantic movie you can watch like really especially the passion translation wow yeah i need to get that translation on the bible app where can they follow along on your journey I post, I want to do so much more, but I really post the most on my Instagram and in actual posts. Like I try to do stories, but my posts are long captions, basically just talking about different things of the Lord. I feel like the Lord is speaking to me for women or just stuff in myself that he's encouraging me to share. So I guess the best way is Instagram posts. (laughs) Amazing. I'm writing little eBooks. I need to release another one. I have two so far. I want to release my next, but it's just finding the time because I'm working full-time in high tech. 
Well, guys, I'm going to link uh, her Instagram. I'm actually, I'll get her eBooks and link them too. Cause I know everyone's going to want those. And then just thank you so much for your time. I know it's late where you are and you're pregnant and you're a mom and you have so much going on, but your words are so powerful and so impactful. And I just know that God is really going to use you in so many ways to impact women. And I'm just thankful to even know you through Instagram. So I feel very blessed. Thank you for having me. You are the best. Thank you so, so much. 